Hello, and welcome back to Avon Talks, hosted by me, Ethan Guo. And today I am joined by Brian Malone. Hello. Um, I don't know what title you really wanted to go for. Oh, I go, <laughs> uh, I'm an uh, Avon Historical Board of Director slash trustee, Exactly. And how are you doing today, Brian? I'm good. It's a little humid outside, but it's pretty cool in this basement, so I'm feeling pretty uh-huh. good. And we're also joined today by Cal Stevens-Miller, who is... Oh, sorry, Cal, <laughs> Cal Miller-Stevens, who is... I'll give the titles. I know, yeah. a little complicated, Ethan. Thank you very much for having me and the opportunity to tell our history of our Miller Farm family since mm-hmm. 1950. Wow. Yes, and you asked what I am. Well, I would consider myself years ago I put it like a worker bee because when you have a family business Mm -hmm. you do everything you grow up on the farm there's no boys and uh there were two sisters you have been a a female-owned business for a long time yes yes my uh since uh uh 86 wow 86 yeah brian do you ever remember going by the turkeys as a kid Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would always pass by the horses and then the turkeys. I would always see uh, that house on the corner, right by St. Anne's. Yeah. Every single winter. Yeah, and that's where I lived and worked for the last 73 years. Wow. Yeah, so it's, and that is what people remember when they, they think about the history of Avon. The turkey farm next to the governor's horse guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Growing up, we raised over 14,000 turkeys. Wow. And before, totally? Totally. And wow. before that, uh, where our pet food store is now, we're selling the Oma's Pride, mm-hmm. above that, we used to raise chickens and, and to, to lay eggs. We had, they were laying hens, they were called. Turkeys and chickens for eggs. Well, we raised the chickens and the eggs first, mm. and my mother used to sell eggs door-to-door. We had an egg route and a station wagon, and, you know, you... You drop off so many. I think I was telling you at the Wait, event sorry. the How other night. How long ago night. was this? What's it? That was in the fifth, in the sixties, early sixties, actually, late fifties and early sixties. It's like the milkman. Ice um, man, you see man. all my milk mm. bottles in the house there. Oh um, yeah, your collection. Milk yeah, bottles, collection. Yeah. Well, part of that goes back because I also used to help my father uh, deliver milk. His cousins had Maple Hill Farms, and so I'd on weekends and holidays you know I was probably six seven eight years old at the time for about three or four years Mm. and uh, you know it's so interesting you'd stand on the hump no seat belts the doors were open and that and that was back in the day (laughs) you know no you know so how they as they say Uh things change babe yeah that whole area right by St. Anne's was St. Anne's always there uh, when no. you when you were little, that whole mm, church? Uh, no. They built, uh, I think, in the uh, 50s. Well, that, that would be something. There's a new priest there, Father Al. Maybe there's a historian. That would be interesting about St. Saint, Saint Anne's Church. And your Miller Farm, it was the farmhouse. And what are the other things on the farm now? You, you said the dog food company, the catering thing? Also? Well, we... we uh, were there interesting? Uh, we were there before zoning, 
so that uh, that's how long we've been in town. There was no wow. zoning. When, so you could just place things anywhere so you want. So we just started it. My father built buildings, my brother and so on. We need another mm. pen and so on. Um, because as I, as I was saying earlier, we used to raise the chickens up above, deliver eggs door to door and so on. And then one year, uh, things started to change. I know part of the question was we have evolved into, as you saw, about eight different businesses over time. And the biggest thing is change. Now, delivering mm. eggs, milk door to door, uh, people started to work. Women started to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. The kids would go to school or they would have a sitter or go to a daycare. So the demand for home delivery was... was Went down? Right. It changed. People yeah. were going to the grocery store. So we ended up selling the eggs to the grocery store. In the meantime, um, uh, Mr. Carvel, who was a Worthmore feed salesman, had 300 turkeys that he would raise. In and Avon? In Avon, right, right next to uh, St. Anne's Church. Wow, 300 and turkeys he, right by St. Anne's. Yeah, Anne. so he would raise them and slaughter them, and my father used to help him out. And mm. They came out with a policy of conflict of interest that if you sold the grain, you really couldn't get involved in... You know, the other aspects of the exact. supply chain. Right, exactly. Mm. Perfect wording. Thank yeah. you. No, it's true. And uh, so he gave my parents a turkey business, but turkeys and chickens at that time spread diseases together. Right. So we uh, got out of the chicken business, and at the timing, as I say, with the grocery stores coming on board, the, the demand was not there. So. Did you, at that point, move to the next evolution of Miller Farms, which was like the distribution with the trucks and stuff like that? that or was, did that come later? Well, it segued into that. What, what happened with uh, raising, raising the turkeys is that we used to slaughter them mm. right there at our plant. And sell and, the meat? And sell the whole turkeys. Yeah. I, I used to take off uh, when I was in fifth grade, the week before Thanksgiving, and wow. I was the head gizzard opener, <laughs> and I was the only gizzard opener. Wow. Uh, but because you have a farm, and you know, yeah. back then the mentality is the kids work the farm. My sister, Sandy, was a she. She was a cook while my mother was working, and mm. you know, doing she had what she was doing. Um, and on a side note, see how things evolve, mm -hmm. that when she was delivering eggs, she had a station wagon. And my father also drove bus because people would have more than one job on a farm, you mm -hmm. know, because you, there was just you needed the extra money coming in. And it was early morning and so on and not a full-time job. So Mr. Guineri said to my mother, hey, you toots, you got a station wagon. Mm. The town wants the two kids brought to Burlington. Can you do it? <laughs> and so that's how she got in the transportation business. Wow, she made it happen through she that. She made it happen. So the egg business died and transportation, when she passed away, she wow. had uh, – 14 uh, vans or station wagons, Miller Transportation. Wow. And that business lasted over 50 years. Wow. So that, yeah, she she had set an image for uh, my sister and I as working. You know, everybody in our family worked. And it wasn't that you do this, you do that. We worked, worked together in getting the job done. I would so. say Miller Farms is... One of the farms that's been one of the longest lasting in Avon. 
And yeah. it's because it's been able to adapt and evolve. I mean, to go from door-to-door egg uh, selling to a full distribution operation right. within a couple of years is really big, especially for such a town like Avon. And what happened is you, you don't know what you don't know. All you knew was work. Mm. We had one vacation my whole life, I remember, five days up to Hampton wow. Beach one, because wow. we had the farm and so on. So we never um, had the opportunity to take a vacation. It was just all about about working. And uh, when you were Everybody's talking— Everybody's involved. Everybody was involved. So, you you know, you couldn't say, turn the key, and then you had animals. You They needed, you know, care also. And when you were talking, you made the point about uh, the evolution. And it evolved from the slaughtering of our own turkeys Mm -hmm. to uh, what happened is the government came out with regulation changes that you had to go federal regulations for your slaughtering operation. Right. And they no longer had state. And this was a a double-edged sword because it was going to be very expensive to change a plant over and then you get in regulations and the water issue and there's so much complications that uh, we uh, got out of uh, raising the 14,000 turkeys and at that time working with farmers uh, that would you know raise our raise turkeys Mm -hmm. uh, good quality turkeys and they would partner with them and so that's how we got in partnering with the turkey farm and as a re- result, we went USDA for uh, processing. Mm-hmm. And what that means is like we, we had one year turkeys left over, and we, it's like Christmas trees after Christmas. Years ago, years ago, and some of you listening may remember or may not, but you couldn't buy certain items. People didn't sell certain items. Mm-hmm. Turkeys were Thanksgiving, and about half of that at Christmas. So what are we going to do? How are we going to pay our grain bills? And my mother on went... On the off months. On the off months. So mm-hmm. we had all these turkeys left over. And um, one of uh, a friend worked as a chef at called the Al Mitchell House, which was food with intrigue, which is a story for another time. It was an excellent quality restaurant in town, and he taught us how to bone a turkey. When was uh, what year was this when that restaurant was around? Well, it was in the 50s, 50s and it was wow. where Dakota, Dakota restaurant. Oh, right on Route 44. Right, mm-hmm. where that is now. Uh, so uh, he taught us how to bone these turkeys, <clears throat> excuse me, and actually my mother went out selling and she, went, she got some large insurance companies, University of Hartford, so that we could pay our bills to mm-hmm. because we had to sell these turkeys. So as a result, people would say, oh, you're delivering turkeys. Do you have any chickens? So they started to buy chickens through a distributor and, mm-hmm. oh, can you cut them up? So we got, you know, 1,500 kids that go to University of Hartford. Can you split them? Can you quarter them? So we got into more processing, and as a result, you need USDA labeling needed, to do that. Yeah, you and people. so that gave us an opportunity to become a distributor and back wow. in the 70s and 80s, we were Purdue's largest distributor in New England. Wow. Yeah, because we used Miller to do Farms. all the hot, all the hot food program for uh, the stop and shops mm-hmm. and the roaster program that Purdue had with different big Ys and large warehouses. So 
Uh, they didn't really have the facilities at their warehouse to deliver back then, not like now where they deliver everything. They needed co-people uh, to work with them. So, you know, it's evolving. It evolved from that. And then what happened, the big guys get big that they have enough yep. volume to build these warehouses, so they cut you out. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's like you go up to one day, you're going to see Stop and Shop. Sam and I went up there, and he goes, oh, well, by the way, can you bring your inventories up? And you go, uh-oh, this isn't a good sign. <laughs> oh, man. And so, Sam is your husband? Sam's my husband. Yes. Yeah, 44 years we're married. Wow, congrats. Saturday. Uh, and uh, so... Uh, and that's the thing I want to mention. The other people in the family, it was all a family affair. My mother, Oma, my father, uh, my ex-brother-in-law, Chuck Nassambini, who grew up in Avon, who was an wow. uh, uh, all-state athlete and so on. My sister, Sandy, um, their daughter, Capri, that generation. Then with I married Sam, and he worked in the business. And then our, our three children, Cam and Tanner and Taryn, and then Capri's boys all worked, uh, Nick and Adam and EJ and Brett. So the generation She had four boys? She had wow. four boys, yes. Was it like a very natural thing? Like, did they just look at Miller Farms and think, I want to be part of this? Or was it like... Well, that's interesting, Ethan, because when I grew up, it was my parents just assumed you're working. Mm -hmm. Family businesses are unique. And where, uh, you know, the opportunity, they, they all uh, went to college where you're going. One of them went to Tufts, is, is a great university. And everyone kind of found their own paths, but they still worked in the business. And uh, if there's advice out here with family business, if anyone is asking, and uh, is that you work outside your family business for so many years that your family has a certain policy that you work outside and you experience what, what else is out there. And then also bringing to the table my great nephew, Adam, who will be our president of our company someday. Right now, Capri wow. is, and you met Adam the other night. Mm -hmm. uh, but he worked for the Hartford for many years. So you come with other opportunities. But... Ethan, family business is a whole other, you know, they're, it's so awesome because you know you can count on them. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing with a family family business. You said uh, with the Miller Farm, your great-grandfather owned it? Or well, where did it start? It, it started, uh, you brought up that the other night because mm -hmm. we started in the 50s. My parents moved there. But actually my father's father had lived there, and they were raising chickens and stuff, and my father did 4-H, mm. not on a, a large-scale level. You know, it was more or less a uh, smaller scale. But okay. we're, we're going to research that and actually find out, you know, what year in the 30s that it did happen. So, But right now we're, we're working on celebrating our 75th, but it might be our 90th in reality. Wow. Yeah. So in the 1950s, it was your father and mother moved here to Avon. Where were right. they? They from? lived in Terryville. Terryville, Terryville, still in Connecticut. Still in Connecticut, okay. and my mother grew up on a dairy farm, oh, so she was okay. used to farming and yeah, and farm working life. also. And uh, when they moved up, uh, I was one year old and my sister was three, and. Mm. Um, 
as I said, that uh, he had my father, had one sister, and when my grandfather passed away, from what I understand, um, my aunt didn't want the land or the business, and that what they do is they worked out a, a buyout agreement, and mm -hmm. so um, that moved on to the next next history part. Wow. It started, uh, I joke because I remember the first person that painted a truck and running by and spilling his paint, and he had, he used to, um, Pride of the Valley. Pride he came of the up valley. with a, because he had a sunrise, and, on, and now we still use that on our turkey bags, Miller Poultry Farm, Pride wow. of the Valley. So things change, but they don't change. I know when you are a market there, uh, which has the Omas, and, and that's really the next evolution. What happened uh, is as the big guys got bigger and, you know, they, they knock out the middleman. We were the right. middleman. So all of a sudden, you know, you go up and they, hey, you did a great job. You got distributor of the year. You're awesome. But we're doing it in our own warehouse now. And so how are you going to change? Every time we would, we tried different things, things like something called Zap Snack which you wow. would sell to school systems. You know, when you guys were in school and you bought, uh, you know, whether it was candy or cookies, mm -hmm. you'd resell it, or, oh, they have paper supplies. What did you used to have in school, Brian, that you ever have to sell for your class so you could go on a class oh, trip yeah, or something? Oh, yeah, different either candy bars or magazines or yeah, something along yeah, that line. Yeah, so this was a pizza company. Wow. We tried to sell. We had, uh, and I still love the idea, it was called Power Pack. It was water and a high-energy bar. Mm. And the, now the thought is, oh, maybe we can use uh, one of our pet foods. But you, you keep trying. I have a variety amount of old ideas. Mm. We were going to do a home delivery after, you know, in the 90s when things were turning around. Home and delivery in the a 90s. Home wow. to, you know, we had started a little of that, but we didn't have the capital. Mm -hmm. Sometimes ideas are so good, but you don't have the, the people and the capital behind it to move forward with it. Yeah, even in current year that we see, um, we see a lot of home delivery. Now it changed. Yeah, I was gonna make that point because it feels like home delivery has made a real comeback. It has. Like nobody wants to go to the grocery store if you can just get it delivered or to your and, and you know what, timing, you, you both are correct and what a lot of it is timing in life. You can be, you can be too early for it. Um, or uh, you can be right on the mark. And what happened was as things evolved and the food business got tougher and tighter, uh, people were coming into our market there because we were selling food. You know, we sold from pies to meatballs and potatoes mm. and everything, becoming a food distributor. And people would come into our market, and some of them would want to buy our turkey bones, turkey necks. And what do you guys, what are you doing with this stuff? We started to talk to them. They were making their own pet food, and their Cuisinarts were breaking. And we happened to have uh, a machine that we were using to grind our hamburger. And then, Brian, guess what? The government had come out with another policy. Another policy? The USDA beef uh, had to come under different regulations. Classic, so classic. we had this biro machine, and we started. Um, uh, my sister Sandy was very instrumental and uh, with you our and, pet food. You and Sandy are Oma's um, Yes, yeah. And Sandy. Oma, uh, that name means? Grandmother in German. And you, uh, how did that become the name of the dog food? 
Well, we, uh, when we were starting the dog food, it's like, what are we going to call this? And mm. we'd get together and kind of brainstorm. And we had a, a product that was we called Oma's Pride. It was a, a turkey, little turkey roast in an oven-roasted bag. And again, it was delicious, it was great, the concept, but you didn't have enough money to put in advertising, marketing, mm. packaging. And so Sam says, you know, we have this Oma's Pride, Let's, because it was kind of who Oma was, that's who she was. Her transportation business and the kind of person that she was, she was involved in the community. And so Oma's Pride came up with, with the name of the product. And then we also had something called Paws Pride for Paws our treats, okay. our treats. Uh, but now it is all under Oma's Pride. So it, at that time, uh, in the late, like, 99, the pet food, people started um, uh, asking for the vegetables and so on. And oh, yeah. Learning about what is this raw diet. Mm -hmm. And it was very new. There was someone out of Canada who was a forerunner in it. And education and so on and we worked with um, homeopathic vets uh, wow. local people a gal named Sandy Ruder and Sandy worked together and this doctor Cindy Atwood out of Maine she was a homeopathic vet and then researching and so on and why do pets need raw food mm -hmm. and the baseline is if you watch Animal Planet if you've taken a walk and you see what, a, what does an animal eat that's eating another animal it starts at the stomach, and it eats what in the beef. It's called the tripe. Mm -hmm. It starts at the stomach. It eats the organ meats, the heart, the liver, the kidney. Okay. It goes out. It eats the muscle meat, and it eats the bones because it keeps their teeth right, and true. gum and their digestion. Bone marrow right. is also great. Yes, yeah. exactly. Perfect with that. And uh, so that's how Oma's Pride got started. And we do dog shows uh, high-end dog shows. So it was still all food. And we always had quality in mind. So when we were making omas, we didn't add any wheats, grains, additives, preservative, extra water. It was just, it was what it was. And Raw. Kind of like if you were to eat, like if they were to eat out in the wild. They're eating the stomach. Exactly. The, the proteins of the heart, of the organs and stuff like that. Because right. there's a lot of vitamins and stuff in there, too. Exactly. And, uh, and you're exactly right. So you look at it logically, and you, when you go to a market, Ethan and Brian, and you're looking yeah. at the pet aisle with these hundreds of different dry foods, and you look at the label, and what is the first ingredient? And some of you can't even read. Yeah, it's preservatives. Yeah, add it. Well, a lot of it to cheapen the product. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's so a lot of uh, chemical. There's been a lot of lawsuits against um these big big like um pet food distributors because of all the uh preserves in, in the food right um, hurt the cats hurt the dogs right. and stuff like that so i know a ton it's becoming very much more trendy now to look for third-party alternatives right to these types of uh brands and when you mention that so much is it control in making the product mm -hmm. we make our raw pet food right at our plant in Avon, Connecticut. Yeah. And what you're talking about, a few years back, there was a recall on many different canned items because mm -hmm. this one plant, uh, cop they call it co-packed, mm -hmm. co-packing for maybe 20 different companies from high end to the other. Oh, and whatever was 
was transferred into that, all those companies. But with OMAs, we make it right there in Avon. Sometime I can take you through, and they, it's raw meat and frozen. And we, we had the connections with our food, so we could buy our beef, lamb, chicken, turkey, direct from the processors. Mm. So we uh, we get it fresh, fresh. I mean, the chickens that are slaughtered today come up from Maryland tomorrow, and they're processed by Thursday. So it's very, uh, it's, again, a change. Yeah. And, it, and it's done in, in there. Uh, we are, I don't want to bore, any questions about this or whatever? Is there, no, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's amazing. And then it, it kicked off because Rufus won Westminster, uh, which is a very notable um, show, you know, right after uh, Thanksgiving meal. And he won, Rufus won, and he ate Omas. Wow. And so. Westminster's a dog show? Yes, Westminster's okay. a dog show and uh, down in New York. And so Rufus won, and when they were when he was doing his promotion in there, it said, you know, he, he fed Oma's fried. Mm. And so that kicked it off with notoriety. And what is, you know, so we still always had our you know, transportation, and then we had our food, and then the pet food was growing. Mm. But the people food was changing. The big guys were getting bigger. I mean, you see all the trucks around. What are they? The national companies. Yep. Even in town here, you go up 44, how many independents? Avon's lucky. We have a few more than most towns. But True. But the chains have taken over. So we still maintain our unique quality with that. And uh, the turkeys over the years with our Miller Farms, since COVID, we used to have a big tent and cooking demonstrations. And when that changed, um, our daughter, uh, Taryn, came up with the idea at COVID that you know, there's a lot of people, they're isolated at home, buy a turkey, give a turkey. Mm-hmm. And it was very successful because uh, so many people were working at home, so the companies would mail turkeys. She had one company from California that uh, 900 turkeys wow. got sent out. And and they say, how could you send them out? But because of our OMAs and our e-commerce that we ship, we ship that out of a uh, our plant over in Bristol, all of our shipping and e-commerce is is over there. It's a 17,000-square-foot building wow. that we ship out of. So we have the opportunity to ship our uh, our food. Turkeys. And yeah. turkeys and, you know, vary and at great rates because we ship, um, you know, thousands of pounds of that. So yeah. buy one, get one for yeah. another person. So that was the first year. And then the second year changed because people were not quite as, you know, their attitude was changing. So then it evolved into a little bit different. And last year it was different. And this year, what we're doing with that, and thank you for coming to the event. What did you, what did you get out of that event? Uh, you know, the main thing I got out of the event of was how strong the community was. I was about to say yeah, a sense of it community. It was so strong. It was. It's one of those things, and you you sort of touched on this when talking about the uniqueness of like small businesses like Miller's, independent businesses like Miller's, instead of the big national conglomerates, which is that they really know their community, and so they can really make an impact within their community. They know what the community needs, and they can provide it. You had people showing up who had been 
associated with your farm, working for your farm for 30 plus years. I Linda mean, was our greeter at our tent for 38 mm-hmm. years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, it was ama- the loyalty. Because you don't really, like, how many people would show up 40 years later for some of these other yeah. branded companies and stuff like that? It was a big sense of community. Well, that, yeah, that, and this was a, we didn't know how it was going to um, work out. We didn't open it up to, like, you know, put it out on Facebook, whoever wants to come show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in talking with people who might want to, we call it, we call them you guys, us, all yeah. of us. See, that's why I'm an ambassador. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for Miller Farms, Oma's Pride. Mm-hmm. It's an ambassador because you uh, educate people. Well, what do they want to do? They want to feed 100,000 Thanksgiving meals, turkeys, a a turkey dinner, the turkey for their dinner. And we are uh, doing that with food share. And also, at the same time, we've been working our 501c3. We got that approved. So it gives another opportunity for people, larger companies, which um, are able to have funds and donate to organizations, 501c3s, and use it as a tax advantage for them and to help out the community. So mm-hmm. just to clarify, what is the 501c3 as opposed to Oma's Pride? So Oma's Pride is the um, pet food company and the 501c3 is for? Taxes. Miller Farms Cares. Right? Oh, I see. So it's called Miller Farms Cares. It's separate. So we have uh, our Oma's Pride and Opaws, but it's all now Oma's Pride. And the Miller, Miller Farms is the mother, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Or Miller Foods it, it was, but uh, we have that. You saw the umbrella that in the market, I took a picture before I left so we could show the history of it from 1950 to 2023. And so Miller Farms, and then you've got Opaws, then we have Miller Farms, okay, which is the turkeys when Big Y, all the Big Ys in Connecticut and Massachusetts, mm-hmm. uh, Sam already has their holiday orders. Uh, Cam and Denise are uh, working on our corporate uh, accounts because there's a lot of uh, businesses that give people still holiday turkeys and so on. And uh, so that's almost Pride, Miller Farms, and then Miller uh, Farm Cares is our 501c3. So far, it's a nonprofit with that. So, wow. yeah, there's a lot of history and a lot of uh, evolution going on. Um, and we've got great people that uh, have been with us for quite a few years. How long did your mom uh, operate the farm? She ran her own business um, she actually, I saw her the night before she was working. She died in her sleep. Wow. So she was 60, 60 just 61, wow. uh, 62. And uh, so she, that's how it was. My father passed away also. Unfortunately, he had cancer, but he died working too. So yeah. when it comes to uh, people talk about, what are you retiring? I've never known not to work because it wasn't like it was ever spoken that maybe in your family, do your parents ever talk about retirement? Sometimes. Okay. Well, mine never did. I wow. never heard that word because all they did, was, all we knew was 
work. But I guess that's also kind of the difference between working within a family business and working within like an you know like a another business like right. Bank yeah. of America or something. Like you when you're working with your family, you're always just with your family, and it's just you know it's within your family, so you're never really out yeah. of it. Right, yeah. and that's and that's the point, and that's a double-edged sword, good, and, you know, and so you have to keep a balance, and you have to have fun along the way, and sometimes we can laugh, sometimes we cry, sometimes your emotions go other ways, but you're always, if something's wrong, you're there, you know, you're, you're pitching in, like that phone call I had to take, Yeah. you know, um, 4.30, a meeting today on it, uh, because... That's what family and businesses are about and do. 100%. Yeah. So uh, have uh, technically, have you worked on the farm longer than, like, your parents did? Because if they oh, acquired yeah. it from your grandfather. Um, yeah, my sister passed away a couple years ago. I'm the, it was I'm just the matriarch. Brian, can you believe it? Yeah. I am the matriarch. You when are you hear the that, one. Yeah, the old, I'm the, uh, yes, I'm the oldest of the living Living a family member that's left. So Sandy, you, and Sandy and I, we're just the two of us. So wow, just uh, sisters running the business. And then you know, as after time, after my parents died, her husband, uh, Sandy's husband Chuck, was instrumental. Mm-hmm. And when they got divorced and and he moved out, my husband, I had been going out with him a year or two, and mm-hmm. he was in the food business, and so. Um, you know, it. he ended up uh, working, and he was very, Sam is the kind of guy that he would do everything and take, never complain. If a truck was late and had to get unloaded, if a customer needed something, he'd run out. He'd do the payroll, the accounting. He never said no to anything. At times, he would call himself a fireman because you know, wow. they couldn't fix a piece of equipment. Yeah. He would go down and, and help them, and he is very intelligent and very easygoing. You know, a combination of all family members. Uh, you know, as I say, from, you know, my parents, Sandy, and her first husband, Chuck, and second husband, Dave, and her daughter. And I was about to say, her kids yeah, really Adam, stepped up yeah, Adam um, in Sandy's Nick. place. Yes, yeah. Nick does a lot of technology. He's awesome. Adam, EJ, everybody has different skills. Brett. Brett used to be awesome at the tent. So everyone has different skills they brought it to the table. And on my side with Sam and Cam used to do the shows. She was down in Westminster when the dog won and wow. promoting it. Now she's helping with the turkeys. And Taryn, it's always kind of there. Taryn, who wasn't that involved, there's a Miller food sign in her house wherever she goes, New York City wow. or P-Town. And, and Tanner's just key and bring us to the 21st century setting up our e-commerce system, and then also developing our NetSuite Enterprise operating system to bring us to the next adventure on this journey. So the history, and in, in, in the nutshell, what um, we might want to wrap up is possibly we're talking about Miller Poultry Farm started in the 50s. That's where, that's where our chicken and turkey and mm-hmm. we came out with a logo we're just a little bit chicken because we wanted people to know that we were more <laughs> than just poultry yeah we developed a new logo sam got that at univ when he worked at university of hartford the art department 25 dollars. Mm-hmm. we put a contest going wow and then we had the transportation 
and then going to our Miller Miller Foods, and then Oma's Pride, the Opa's, uh, and then our Thankful Turkey, and then uh, a whole new logo with uh, our pet food, mm. where uh, Oma's and um, the pet food with uh, Opa's is combined. And Oma's is developed and going to be uh, across the country. Actually, we have an account in Hong Kong. Kim had got that account about 10 years, no, 20 years ago now, and picking up distributors distributors around the, the country. Uh, they're going national Would with you say that's our like, pet food. Wait, so you're going to be shipping internationally to Hong we Kong? We have been doing Hong Kong. We've been shipping them. Kim got the account about 20 years. Huh. Uh, wow. They get an order a couple times a year. And... Uh, yeah, there's, they're very easy to, to ship. Every country is different. We tried to ship to England, mm-hmm. uh, but you have to have a lot more eye-dotting. So that could be a whole exporting could be another. Maybe that, Brian, you might be right. The exporting mm-hmm. might be what's next after Oma's Pride now. The future. You know, what is gonna, the future going to bring? And you always that's one thing we would always think about, how you have a couple of irons in and maybe – one is one isn't hot enough. One never gets hot. One is super hot. So you got to keep. You have to keep in a family business where things changing. You can't just have vanilla ice cream and open up an ice yep. cream shop. Yep. You know. So you have to evolve. You know. We got to get a special cone. You got to get it. You know. And so. That's what I'm pretty positive about. Like no matter what the future holds, uh, Miller Farms has shown that they can adapt and evolve. So. I'm not really all that worried. I'm excited to see what they're able to do next. <laughs> yeah, I am too. We've got a great family team and awesome uh, people that work with us. Even my niece Michelle now has our purchasing agent a few years. And so more family members are in there. And the people working are like family as we, as I feel. So Absolutely. very thankful and grateful. This and podcast is an Avon Historical Society production, edited by me, Ethan Guo. Special thanks to Priscilla Marshall for the graphics. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever else podcasts are downloaded. Want to be featured on a future episode or stay up to date with the podcast newsletter? Feel free to reach out to us at avontalksahs@gmail.com. For more on historical society, visit www.avonhistoricalsociety.org.